0: What are we looking at right now? So right now, again, we look for fundamental use cases, with large total addressable markets for the application, okay. plus a combination of value accrual to, to token holders, right? We're a liquid token fund and uh, not VC or anything along those lines. We, we want to stay liquid. And we want to find tokens that accrue value based on usage of their, of their platform.
1: All right, my friends, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I am your host, Charlie Shrem, and you are listening to another epic episode of The Charlie Shrem Show, powered by Untold Stories. We're together for almost four years through bull and bear markets, through crazy crypto cycles, through Bitcoin craziness, fork wars, through times where we thought that Bitcoin and crypto was going to take over the world, to those moments where we were embarrassed to tell our friends and family that we even know what a cryptocurrency is. Together, we've been doing this show, and I'm really excited to introduce my guest today, Alex Crete. Alex, thank you so much for coming on the show today.
0: Thank you for having me, Charlie. Look forward to the talk.
1: Yeah, man. So together, twice a week, we've been diving deep with some of Bitcoin and crypto's most influential leaders to truly understand how this movement came to be, where we started, how we got to where we are today. Some of the coolest people we met along the way, the fun stories that we get to connect the dots. And truly, truly understand everything. Just truly understand the whole the whole world. And I feel like through crypto and through blockchain, through the lens of what you and I do, you're the founding partner at Modus Capital Management. Through what we do, we get to truly see the world in a different light.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. What a ride it's been. That's for sure. Uh, not just the last year, but the last <laughs> many years. So I'm looking forward to talking about a little bit more of that. But again, thanks for having me. You are the
1: founding partner at Modus Capital Management. Previously, you were the co-head of Digital Assets Group at Citi. I actually remember one of the first major banks, actually probably the first to embrace blockchain technology is early on. I remember 2014 or 2015, but you were there responsible for business development, thought leadership across digital assets. You've been investing in the space since 2016, writing weekly insight pieces since 2017 by the way, we're going to talk about some of those. I've been really enjoying reading them and advising clients and former colleagues consistently through various market cycles. You've built trust and, and a meaningful network. A lot of the times through questioning, not just the, the projects and the investments themselves, but the people behind them and writing sure. extensively about that, which, which I really enjoy. You've, you've, been, you've overseen over $3 billion in assets and, and understand what type of like capital controls really need to be in place. I want to start off by saying that a lot of people are looking at centralized finance right now and saying that it needs to go away and we need to be like fully decentralized and fully everything needs to be completely non-custodial. And as much as I want that to be the case, and as much as I'm shilling people on hardware wallets and decentralization, (laughs) and I'm probably the most decentralized maximalist there is right on decentralization. The reason that we're here in the first place. But I know, and I've known this since the day I got started in this space back in 2011 when I had that first Bitcoin exchange, that there will always need to be a connection between our crypto world and the legacy world that had existed before us when it comes to finance and technology. And so there will always need to be these places that custodialize user funds. So how do we go forward from here after the whole FTX crazy saga that's still happening? Yeah,
0: it's still unfolding for sure. Uh, every day it seems to be something new. We just saw another report on the Celsius case this morning, and it was pretty damning. Uh, not surprising, but I'm sure we'll we'll continue to see more and more come out from, from all of the firms that clearly had some inappropriate risk management guidelines in, at their firms. But I think you're right, Charlie. I think it, it's really an important question. Where do we go from here? Will everyone be walking around with 12-word seed phrases in their pocket and, and decentralize the world through Metamask? Uh, likely not uh, to your point we, we do believe that there will always be embedded trust at some point along the lines that people will rely upon, whether it be personal relationships and an understanding of the broader ecosystem uh, to, to connect them with appropriate custodians of their assets or simply really you know self custodying at the, at the layer one level and, and figuring out other ways to interact with applications but It's still an open question, right? That's what's so amazing about this space. It feels like you and I have, and certainly you obviously longer than I, but we've been in this space for many years, and it's still just this amazing financial innovation sandbox, right? There's only been about two, two and a half years of, of really robust DeFi applications, even though to us it feels like it's been around for a decade. It's only been a very short window. And all of these applications are still built on, on Ethereum and, and, and Ethereum like other layer one blockchains. And so some of the problems uh, that will still be faced over the coming years is, is how do we get that next billion people into crypto, not just to understand it, but to actually use it and understand the benefits that do exist. And, and that's going to be the main challenge is making it easier to use, understanding what's needed from a trust standpoint, uh, whether it's self-custody or relying on uh, some of the more traditional players in the trust market, if you will, from a custodian standpoint, like uh, the current banks. I know many people in uh, the crypto world will say, let's get rid of the banks. Everyone should just use use Bitcoin, forget about them, self-custody. But the reality is people do trust uh, their banker, not everyone, but there are incredible relationships i saw it you know, firsthand when i spent 11 years at city uh, within their private bank and working with very you know reputable clients ultra high net worth individuals family offices endowments foundations and they rely on these institutions not only yeah. for advice and navigating markets but also protection of their assets and, and That certainly, in my opinion, uh, won't be going away anytime soon. It just may change uh, what it actually looks like. Uh, So long road ahead uh, to get there. But uh, but I do believe there will always exist a mix of those comfortable with self-custody and those relying on trust of, of their centralized counterparties. They just may look a little different in the future.
1: Is our industry ready for a hedge fund like yourself? You manage money for ultra high net worth individuals, institutions, you have a, a mechanism and a deal flow that's probably unmatched in, in how you evaluate businesses and potential investments and things like that. I'm sure part of it is, is you use historical data. Other investments in, in other industries have decades, if not hundreds of years of historical data where you can kind of use that to not predict the future, but understand like if this, then that. How do you do that in our industry? It's right, Less than right. ten
0: years old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, absolutely, and, and it's it's funny. I always hear the word, you know, you're a hedge fund, and we say it all the time too, just because it's second nature. But I, I kind of hate saying that. <laughs> in a way, we look at our we look at ourselves more as um, you know, traditional investment managers, and we do run a liquid token fund that is structured as a hedge fund vehicle. But the way we approach this space is is really looking at what are the fundamental use cases of not only a project so what application are they building but what's the point of having a token why does that token exist in the first place was it simply a, a fundraising mechanism is it simply a money grab uh, or is there an actual functionality to it and or value accrual to those that hold and or use it uh, and, and by using it i mean use it for payments use it for staking or providing security to a network or does the actual applications use accrue value back to those token holders. So it's really understanding what the point of a token is, right? Bitcoin is very clear and straightforward. Ethereum, same thing, right? You need to pay to use the network um, and staking it. You are providing security to the network and therefore are rewarded for that by and the gas consumption on the network. And therefore, you, know, you can apply some more traditional fundamentals, if you will, uh, to it. But all of these various you know, thousands of tokens, the new ones popping up every day, there are rug pulls and honeypots popping up every single day across uh, the various chains. Uh, so we are very patient uh, in a market that is extraordinarily volatile. Uh, so it's somewhat probably rare. And also, When we left our traditional financial backgrounds, we did so because we had a set of clients who really wanted access into this new burgeoning asset class market in the crypto space, but didn't fully understand it and didn't really know who to trust. And therefore, they wanted their traditional financial partner to help them navigate it. And so that's what we had set out to build while at our private firm. Uh, but it was clear no knock on them specifically, of just course. as an industry, regula- regulatory frameworks were not in place yet. The you know, Basel treatment of um, custody crypto assets was not favorable for a large sure. financial institution. And so it was clear that it was just not going to, just not going to happen in, in allowing us to build what we were hoping to build. So we left to build Modus, And really, the reason why we built it was to give people access into this market in the way that we thought would be appropriate, not only from a risk and control standpoint, so having you know, multi-signature required on every single trade, we have you know, reputable custodians, we have reputable auditors, reputable tax and audit folks, et cetera, yeah. and, and just the proper guardrails, but also from an investment standpoint. We're not simply in this market to flip tokens every day. We truly believe the application of the technology um, will have meaningful impact to to billions of people around the world over time. And we're trying to find those protocols that we believe have significantly large total addressable markets, Mm. whether it's payments, whether it's derivatives, whether it's liquidity and exchanging of assets in in new ways. So we're looking at, like you said, more of a fundamental approach to this market. But of course, there are many crypto native characteristics that we need to apply to just traditional fundamentals, right? There are certain tokens out there that like a a GMX and full transparency, we do have a position in it. So I'm not just showing a bag, but it's a good example of something that okay, this token receives 30% of fees. Let's provide some assumptions about volume and use case on the platform. And therefore, you can start to model out uh, more traditional metrics. Uh. But, of, but of course, uh, there are crypto-native considerations, risk factors like, okay, this is a perpetual or, or margin exchange. What are the risks of regulation? And, and obviously, uh, the, the last year, has provided significant motivation to, to heavily regulate crypto by our friends in government. And so we you know, need to take into account very crypto native characteristics and apply those to the more traditional models and, and use that to try to project a total addressable market and valuation for a token. And that leads to a somewhat concentrated portfolio, if I'm honest. Yeah, it's not a big, group of... exactly.
1: I, I, this is a great, great segue. Thank you. In traditional industries, and I learned this from having my first startup, is there's this like thing called like a keyman policy, uh, an insurance policy that's typically taken out on the CEO of like a, a startup or a big business, right? And that's because sure. if the person you know falls ill and passes away, then there's at least the investors are protected. It's actually it's a very common thing, but when I first heard about it, I was like almost aghast. Like if you're a first time <laughs> entrepreneur, you may it's like a sensitive subject. Your lawyers will call you, hey, they want to take a key. right, and then I was like, well, what if they kill me? And then there's this whole (laughs) this is John Gotti thing. There's a law that because of John Gotti, the mafia, there's a law in the U S that if you die by like suspicious questioning things, then there's no insurance payout. Sure. So it's so cool. But, um, (laughs) so what I was getting with that was you have this key man policy and your risk there is now confined. That policy will take care of everything. You can get fraud risk. You can, you can, you know, you can get insurances, right. Take your investments and move on to the next one. But in crypto, Uh starting with Satoshi, Vitalik, Charlie Lee from Litecoin, Charles Hoskinson Mm -hmm. of Cardano, Gavin Wood of Polkadot, when you have these like key men and women that are the founders and then leaders of these cryptos, how do you add that into your investment thesis? Because these are people that affect the price of the token on a day-to-day basis. And where I'm leading with this is, no one could have predicted what happened with FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried, but you guys in your, in your insights were questioning his character for a long
0: time. Sure. So, yeah, I, I maybe won't get into why or, or anything along those lines. All I will say is we were fortunate enough to, to not have any exposure to really any of the failed major firms over the last 12 months, whether it be FTX or BlockFi or Celsius, et cetera, et cetera. We only launched the fund itself. To be fair, in June of last year, and so this was right after UST and Luna blew up, Three Arrows Capital blew up, etc. And so, you know, fun time to start a fund and, and raise capital. Certainly, quite difficult. But in our prior lives, and when we were trying to build out a digital asset platform uh, at, a, at a major financial institution, that. Opened a ton of doors to, to many different folks at whether it be exchanges or lending platforms or protocols themselves, and so we did get to meet uh, with all these all these teams and, and build a, a great network. So, you know, in in our due diligence, and and, and and certainly not saying we ever did due diligence itself on FTX, but we we you know we decided collectively uh, to to not pursue any relationship. With the exchange, uh, or and they're not the only ones. Um, so I don't want to say we knew what was going on there by any means, but let's just say bad vibes. I'll I'll, I'll leave it at that. And uh, and sometimes that's enough uh, yeah. for us, especially you know, as we're we're dealing with others' money, right? We're investing on behalf of folks that we have very personal relationships with. When we set out to build Modus, as I mentioned, we were building this for people that we know and, and as well as our own capital, right? We want to manage money in a way that we feel safe. Now, we're not in the business of simply going out and gathering assets. Our strategy wouldn't actually even allow that mm. because of that concentration that I meant earlier. We, we tend to focus a bit further down in market cap, newer protocols, and therefore the liquidity isn't all that great. And so you know, we, we want to be nimble. We want to manage our capital. Uh, in our fund the way that we would want our money to be managed because a healthy portion of our fund is our money and in money of folks that that we know quite well and and have deep respect for and manage in a fiduciary way. And so character is certainly part of the equation that I mentioned earlier. So we look at fundamental valuations, we look at crypto-specific metrics, and, of course, teams... It'll, it'll always come down to, to character for us as well as a big component of
1: that. Do you have a specific investment thesis? It's funny, I launched a, a VC fund at like the height of the market. Like I think we closed our <laughs> our fund um May of 2022, like right when all this when everything started to really go down. And so sure. um I but I'm in hindsight, that will be one of the best things we ever did because it's it's really hard Raising and getting capital to invest in the bear market, although everyone knows that that's when you should be investing and building, is in these bear right. markets so you're building for the future. But again, it's very hard to spend our money. It's very hard to to to. I, I get it. Like been there. Even we all know right now that we should be buying up all of our favorite cryptos. We should be buying. Yeah, right. I should be not talking. To you. I should be going buy more Bitcoin. But am I yeah. like? At the end of the day, we don't want to speculate with our rent. We're scared. It's totally. Totally understandable. The only thing I can do is drill it into my listeners' heads every single day. By the way, if you're still listening to the show, appreciate it at this point. As you notice, we've not been doing any sponsors or ads since shit like December. And all I ask is for you guys to leave a review or hit that subscribe button. That's all you have to do. We have so many amazing people that work for the show and get paid. I'm not asking for Don't buy anything. Just leave a review or subscribe. That, that's all I ask. That's my show of the day. So Alex, what are you guys investing in now? What's the deal flow look like that's coming through your rooms every day?
0: Sure, so it's really interesting, right? If you think about where we are in markets, right? So on the macro side, on the traditional front, right, the whole world will go through its silly exercise of gathering around the TV and watching Mr. Powell's every word tomorrow to determine the likely path of interest rates, yeah. subsequent impact on global markets and earnings and FX impact, et cetera. And in addition to that, we have consensus out there, we're likely running full steam ahead into a recession. The government policy du jour is let's boost unemployment as much as possible. We're $32 trillion of debt. Yeah. We're about to run up against the debt ceiling, et cetera. So there's all these crazy you know, macro factors out there. But on the crypto front, we wrote about this in, in December the money that's in crypto right now, if you really think about it, has to be some of the most battle-tested, sticky capital in, in the history of markets. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you are in crypto right now, that means you survived UST Luna blow-up and the subsequent blow-up in markets that we saw in May and June. Three arrows capital blowing up and the subsequent impacts on, on markets that had BlockFi, Celsius. Of course, FTX, ongoing drama with Gemini and and, and uh, Genesis and, and, and all that's going on there. You're still here interacting with applications on decentralized protocols across, whether it be Solana, which everyone thought was dead and clearly is not, or, or Ethereum or, or Arbitrum. The, the gain that we've seen in usage on the Layer 2 Arbitrum has been incredible. Wow, right? Right. And and so that money, in our opinion, is here. And and, and what is happening right now is that it's very much a, a narrative, you know, player versus player trading type of environment, which is fine. But long term, we think the capital base that we see in crypto is here to stay. So how do we get that the next investor base in? Well, that a lot of that still has to do with the the broader macro sentiment. We still see correlations to traditional risk assets like equities still elevated. They've come off a bit, but certainly still elevated. But what some of the key metrics we're watching that that is encouraging is something like the CME futures volume. That is now over 20% of open interest if you look at uh, CME futures versus like perpetual futures and and perps on the Binances and, and crypto native exchanges of the world. So that's grown year to date pretty significantly, which shows a bit more of a, a US institutional legging into this market, which is great to see. And, and with that, we think the combination of just macro settling down, but also development of uh, easier to use applications and easier to access applications will bring in that next wave of adoption. So what we're looking for, it's a long-winded answer, uh, to, to your question, which I haven't even answered yet, which is what are we looking at right now? So right now, again, we look for fundamental use cases with large total addressable markets for the application, okay. plus a combination of value accrual to, to token holders, right? We're a liquid token fund, uh, not from VC or anything along those lines. We we want to stay liquid and we want to find tokens that accrue value based on usage of their of their platform. We're looking for that next narrative that will bring the next million, 10 million, 100 million people into this space, whether it be what's upcoming on the ZK roll-up side, whether it be ZK Sync or ZK AVM from Polygon team, or, or many of the others, and, and what benefits those will bring to making application developers uh, solve the problems of that we see today, which is uh, just the clunkiness and, and difficulty of accessing crypto applications. It's very, very difficult today, right? I, I, mm-hmm. I'm still uncomfortable, and I've been doing it for for many years. Signing a transaction, right? You look through um, MetaMask or whatever wallet you're using, and some hexadecimal text comes up, and says, "Sign here." Yeah. Sure. Okay. Here's here's all my money. And so, you know, for uh, you know the normal population out there, it's just very, very difficult uh, to to get into crypto and and use these these applications. And so, we're looking for those that'll make it easier solving those problems. And then, once that access has been eased, what applications are actually going to be used by people uh, within the ecosystems? And, and we think that exchanges and, or decentralized exchanges, decentralized derivatives it is certainly a narrative that has been in the portfolio, as I mentioned earlier, for some time, just facilitating activity. So more infrastructure plays have certainly been a focus of ours over the last few months.
1: It's interesting because infrastructure is huge. That's going back to my question when I started. That's kind of our fun thesis. We're looking at infrastructure, pick and shovels, agnosticity have always been good at like, not predicting which user apps at the end of the day are loved by retail, but rather the technology that they're building on top of are the ones that I invest in. And I get that. That's what you're saying too. You know, all this is music to my ears. I don't want the masses to be here. (laughs) If the masses were here, I'd be out of a job, right? There wouldn't be nothing to invest in. You'd have all these major funds that have much bigger teams than I have being able to do better due diligence and better work. These are early days. That's, kind of what I'm trying to drill into the head. We don't know what the customers are ultimately going to want. We don't know what we need to build. We don't know what the demand is going to be. We still don't know ultimately what this technology's killer applications are. We've had a lot of start stops. We've had a lot of sub cycles within this major cycle. We've had fads. We've had Technology breakthroughs that have led us to other things. The ICO boom led us to, to where we are in, in, in the positive way. Securities, tokens, we have the ability to do Uniswap and, and Chainlink are two technologies right. that really pave the way, a lot like decentralized assets to be moved from one person to another and data and money, the inability for someone to like reverse your money. Bitcoin is probably the the largest socioeconomic experiment. I mean, you have half a no. trillion dollars of of value just because people believe it should have value. Like that's such a crazy thing that this is all like so new. Yeah. So it's I'm amazing. not trying to right. figure out what customers will ultimately want. I guess I'm trying to figure out today what technologies are being built that I don't
0: know about. Right. Right. That's what I want. Yeah. To know. It, 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 and what you said earlier is spot on, right? If if what we think happens does happen, which is the growth and, and ease of access into this market and the technology starts to fade away into the background, then we're out of business and we couldn't be happier, right? We're, we're trying to facilitate yeah. all of that at the moment, right? And, and so right now we exist to help people understand and, and educate. Uh, people out there in the marketplace about what's going on in this market, as well as get access to things that we believe will be significant growth opportunities for the future. And and when we get to the point where this has just become the norm, right? In 2000, everyone called it a dot-com company. Everything blew up. The the internet didn't go away. Now, today, everything's a dot-com company. We don't call them dot-com companies. It's just you can't have a company without a dot-com. And we see that as the potential for uh, blockchain, right? Today, you're, you're a crypto company or you're a blockchain company, and there's going to be ups and downs in, in that market, but the technology is not going to go anywhere. It's just going to hopefully fade into the background and everyone will use it, and, and whether they know it or not, but they'll be benefiting from it, whether it be cheaper transactions, et cetera.
1: Do you think we'll be called like crypto companies or what What, what lingo are we going to use in the future?
0: That's a good question. Hopefully just companies, right? And it's just they're just another company, and they're built on top of uh, this, this great technology and hopefully that's the future because um they're sitting
1: I still don't even know how to ex- how to explain to people what I do like I don't like saying I work in crypto
0: what do'm I? I you're a teacher teach. I'm a pod- <laughs> you're, you're here to
1: educate how do you make money doing that <laughs> Say, well, <laughs> most of the time you don't <laughs> it's just it's more of like it's more right, of like right, right. starting a podcast over the last four years is it becomes like another part of you. It's, it's literally been one of the most fulfilling things I've, I've ever done. And I'm so grateful for the listeners even listening today. It's just unbelievable.
0: But yeah, the impact you have and the reach is is, is pretty amazing. So thank you to you for for not only having me on, but but spreading the, the gospel of the day of, of crypto. It's, 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 really, uh, it's really important. Alex,
1: thank you. I want to transition a little bit, if you don't mind. So last week, I was at the Quantum Crypto sure. Conference, first conference of the year, and a bunch of people have been asking me so, for some feedback on it. So let, let's talk about that a little bit. So you, what was the last event you went to in crypto? So
0: you're going to laugh. FTX Bahamas. I try to uh, go to that. that, that. I even point. sent Sam Damn. like a <laughs> message.
1: Can I come to, to the Bahamas or
0: whatever? <laughs> to be fair, we historically have avoided many of the conferences. And that's not for any reason other than, well, one, when we were at City, and uh, certainly wasn't budgeted for us to be flying around and, and going to all those these parties that are called conferences. But certainly they are great networking events, no doubt about it. But you know, we are a new fund and so we certainly have been heads down in not only getting the infrastructure up in place, but then Launching the fund and, and fundraising and investing, et cetera, et cetera. So, we have certainly been in the back seat when it comes to conference attendance, but hopefully, soon that will that will certainly pick up as, as you know, it's really great beneficial to be out there and meeting teams and project leads and, and people like yourself and, and builders in the space and, and evangelists for the space as well. So, <laughs> it's just funny that
1: forget conferences yeah. for a second forget them i'll i'll bring up quantum back in a second cuz i have some really good feedback and insights and i want to talk about who you know the exhibitors that were there and some of the speeches and conversations that i had it'll be really insightful but let's talk about this ftx bahamas trip what what's the background behind this and why was it seen almost like in in crypto is it similar to like um like jekyll and hyde or something like that <laughs> Not Jekyll and Hyde, um, Jekyll Island. Why did I say Jekyll and Hyde? Well, I guess he ended up being yeah, a Jekyll and, and Hyde. Actually, a Jekyll, Jekyll Island situation.
0: Right, right, right. It actually <laughs> fits well. Yeah, so look, we went, we went down there to meet a number of our new providers, right? So we had left uh, our prior firm in uh, March, April. The conference was in May. We were just getting started on our new company and knew a number of our new new partners would be down there whether it be custodians or data providers, et cetera. And that conference happened to, to attract uh, many, many uh, different firms that were all heading down there. So kind of last minute, booked a ticket and uh, and went to go meet some of our new partners in person. And that, to, to your earlier question, I think that is really the the greatest benefit of the conferences, right? The panelists you know, I've, I've certainly have spoken on panels before. They're great. Uh, but the reality is the networking and, and putting names to faces and, and creating relationships really are the, the main benefit, uh, in my opinion. And, and that's what we went down there to do is really just meet our new partners, meet our custodians in person and get to know people. As I mentioned earlier, characters is a big thing to us. And so meeting uh, meeting our partners in person was really important to us.
1: It wasn't just about like another event, like another gathering of 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 people and funds and OGs in the Bitcoin and crypto space, but it was also like a lot of government folks, a lot of regulators from around the world, like potential heads of state, politicians, things like <laughs> yeah. that, like yeah. CEOs of major banks. This was then, yeah. This was like I was having FOMO personally. I wanted yeah. to be there. <laughs> Everyone was having FOMO. I wouldn't have told you they weren't. But what was what did people talk about? Sam, I mean, this goes back to the first question we talked about, about the key man. Like, how did he become the key man for our industry? And how do we get a, a policy f- to prevent for that in the future? I mean, the only answer is leaving. Satoshi left for the exact same reason.
0: Right, right. That's a, that's a great point. And a difficult question. I think part of what, what was likely to have happened is the confluence of, of one FTX actually attracted many users for having a good user experience, right? The, the user interface itself, the exchange, the offering of the financial products on there, right? Their their markets and derivatives offerings, people liked yeah. it, right? And and so that was a starter. Two market was in a frenzy, right? Post COVID market, whether it be equities or tech, or, or you know we had the Reddit situation with with GameStop, everything was going ballistic, right? And so you had huh everyone everyone is making money, uh, everyone's feeling good, and so during those types of times, you know historically speaking, due diligence standards likely come down right and so you can even look at it at the banks two thousand six two thousand and seven seven eight pre blow up right same thing with mortgage applications, right due diligence and credit standards all come down, everyone's feeling good until we run into a brick wall and I think uh part of that is likely what what led to the FTX situation in Sam and and you know obviously I'm speaking my own opinion don't know sure. facts here there's still a lot a lot to be determined about what happened uh the real story I'm sure and I hope uh, will eventually come out but yes the did the, the political connections and and uh, and all of that uh, especially at the conference are, are certainly interesting and, yeah we're and not be a fascinating story to watch
1: we're not I don't think anyone's looking at us here as like gloating or having a post-mortem on FTX or Sam. This is a, we need to look back on what went wrong in order for us to go in the future. And I take full responsibility at the same time as a, as an influencer or podcaster or whatever you call me, I, I do my best. But at the same time, I had money on FTX too and Voyager. And, mm-hmm. and I feel like I lost sleep for a long time. And I said to it's funny. Cause the person who I lost money in mountain Gox to in 2014, and the person who I sold my claim to reached out to me all these years later and said, Hey, do you have a, a claim? And I'm like, I never learn <laughs>
0: years later. I'm selling yeah. years later. I never, sorry learned. to laugh, but that is, it's amazing.
1: <laughs> it's okay. We have to be able to, with humility, look back on ourselves as an industry, figure out what went wrong for two reasons. First of all, humility and introspection is very important for the future, but also we're going to go insane. If we try to keep doing the same things over and over and over again, if we keep repeating ourselves and the industry and the world looks at us as continuously repeating ourselves, then this whole experiment is going to die. And we still can. It's so new that this whole experiment of Bitcoin and crypto, could could disappear to textbooks and be studied in economics classes in the future.
0: And that's it. Totally agree. Just to add to that and, and the regulatory front, right? It's it's such a small market. You hear, whether it be Yellen or Powell say it all the time, that the market blow up that we saw in crypto, and this is the you know, probably 10th time it's happened, but this at a much larger scale now. It's still not large enough to matter. They keep saying, still not large enough to matter, still not large enough to matter. And in some ways, that's true. But at the same time, it's never had more eyeballs on it than right now. Yeah, whether for the right or wrong reasons, that can be debated. But in Washington D.C. and regulation that is likely to come, you know, we do need to have adults in the room and, and understanding what went wrong. To your point, and showing that we actually want to fix it and help guide proper regulation that'll help this. Market flourish and, and innovation flourish here in the US rather than elsewhere uh, around the world. Uh, if the US wants to be a leader again in, in new technologies and in financial innovation, yeah. so uh, totally agree with your point.
1: That would be the best thing in the world. That would be a really, really nice thing to see. Oh, let's go back to Miami. So, why am I talking about this? It was the first conference of the year uh, for me. It was, uh, it was the middle of January 2023, it was last week. This event. Was actually a continuation of the Bitcoin Miami conference that started in 2014, 2013. Actually, it was the same stage that Vitalik had launched Ethereum. And uh, it was a great event because so Brock Pierce introduced me on stage and he told a great story. It was actually that the day of the conference, the day of my speech was the nine year anniversary of my arrest in 2014, January 26, yeah. 2014. Oh, wow. And it was on that stage that I was supposed to be at when I had gotten arrested. And Brock Pierce, who introduced me, told the story how him and some other folks were waiting and Roger Veer and some other folks were waiting to, to hear me talk. And then we were all going to hang out after. And when I didn't show up and Mo Levine, the creator of the conference, ran frantically on stage saying, we don't know where Charlie is. I mean, it just brought, it brought tears to my eyes on stage. And I, I, bet. Just,
0: I bet, It was that's just unbelievable.
1: Amazing. It was just unbelievable. And I talked about some really cool things. We told some fun stories, talked about, I, I'm really bullish on blockchain technology and, 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 and housing and real estate. I think that's a huge, it's like a mm-hmm. multi-trillion dollar market that we've just barely even begun to scratch the surface. Like home equity lines of credit refinancing mortgages is this huge killer app for this. Uh, transferring it's probably the largest asset that anyone will ever own and being able to like unencumber that and make it more liquid so people can do cool things and start businesses. It's going to be, it's going to unlock huge wealth. Mark my words, what other stuff there. So there was a bunch of that. It was good to see beefy finance there too, man. That one DeFi nice. protocol. True fucking DeFi. Is yeah. not, they've last man, like they're, they're there. I had them on the show back in like late 2021 and they were there. Phantom. Uh, and the reason I'm talking about this is because a lot of the listeners on the show use where, like what conferences I'm at uh, and some of our investments is like uh, litmus test to see what else is in the space. So sure. Phantom was there. I said Beefy was there. Tomb Finance was there. They did a lot of talks. I was very impressed. So this is the difference. Bull markets and bear markets. Every single person in the crowd was a builder, a builder, a grower, a doer. There wasn't any bullshit, any fugazi. There was no fake people. There were no influencers. You didn't see anyone taking selfies. It wasn't that type of event. And we could still be in a much longer prolonged bear market. I'm not like calling that or anything, but it really felt like the due diligence was back where it needed to be.
0: No, it's great to hear. I love that. I love that.
1: It was amazing. That's the
0: way it should be, right? Yeah. (laughs) That's great. That's great.
1: So listen, I I really appreciate you taking the time and coming on the show today. This, this will probably be one of the most valuable uh, episodes of the year, just, just because we, it's beginning of the year. And I think people will look back on this show and and see like, were they right or were they wrong? Uh, I hope we're wrong. I love being wrong. (laughs) That's one of the best things in the world. It's to not know everything and to just wake up every day, like a way to learn, right? Yeah. Like a puppy. Puppy just wants to freaking explore and learn all day. (laughs) I hope we never lose that. And my wish to you, parting blessing for both of us and for the listeners that we never lose that curiosity.
0: Absolutely. And thank you again, Charlie. It's always good speaking with you and hope to do it again soon.
1: Thank you, my friend. I'll talk to you later.
0: Talk to you soon. Bye.